Good morning, Alex and friends. I'm Connie. Today is Monday, September 11th, 2023, and you're listening to Alex's News. First off, for those in Riverside, you can expect to feel the heat today. The high is set to be a sizzling 94.3 degrees, with a far more forgiving low of 74.8. Take it easy in these summer-like temps. In today's news lineup, we'll examine the intensifying political drama. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy is cornered in a partisan standoff as the risk of a government shutdown looms. Adding fuel to the fire, there are increasing calls for Biden's impeachment. Then, we dive deep into an increasingly worrisome issue, the burgeoning medical debt catastrophe. It's threatening the homes and health of millions of Americans, forcing a distressing number into homelessness. Shifting gears, we'll look at some positive developments in the auto industry. BMW is making major moves to go green, investing a hefty 600 million pounds to make their mini brand fully electric by 2030. This decision not only promises a cleaner planet, but also secures numerous UK jobs while giving their car industry a significant boost. And lastly, for our sports fanatics, Novak Djokovic is cementing his name in tennis history. The star secured his 24th Grand Slam title, surpassing Serena Williams, placing Djokovic firmly in the limelight. Stay tuned for these stories and more. This is Alex's News, where the news never stops. Our top story today involves a high-stakes political standoff on Capitol Hill. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy is returning from recess facing an uphill battle on many fronts. To dig into this situation, our reporter Elias has been following the story closely. Elias, what can you tell us about the challenges facing Speaker McCarthy? Well, Connie, McCarthy is certainly not going to have a calm fall season. Our sources, including a report from the Associated Press and an article by Lisa Mascaro of ABC News, detail the pressure he's under. The Speaker is in a tough position as he's threatened by challenges from within his own Republican Party. The key points include avoiding a government shutdown, supporting Ukraine in its war against Russia, and potentially launching an impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden, all while navigating a power imbalance within his party. Let's break that down a bit. Starting with the potential government shutdown, what's the situation there? Connie, with only 12 legislative days left till the end of the fiscal year, the Republican-controlled House has to pass a spending package in order to keep the federal government operational. McCarthy's preferred path appears to be a continuing resolution to maintain the current funding levels while negotiations go on. However, members of the hard-right faction within his party are demanding policy concessions like increased border security and a Biden impeachment inquiry. Speaking of impeachment, what's the story behind this potential inquiry into President Biden? It appears to be linked to President Biden's son, Hunter Biden, and some of his business dealings. McCarthy may consider this move to win favor with the conservative faction in his party. But running such an impeachment drive alongside managing the government's funding could put McCarthy between a rock and a hard place politically. What might be some potential implications of launching such an impeachment inquiry alongside these other critical issues? The potential implications are serious, Connie. 
The ABC News report notes that not only could this lead to a government shutdown if the conservative Republican faction is not satisfied with the funding levels, but it could also jeopardize McCarthy's chances of retaining his leadership role. How he maneuvers these challenges could define his tenure as House Speaker. Are there any other issues for McCarthy to tackle along with these already significant ones? Absolutely, Connie. ABC News highlights demands from Republicans on other issues such as border security, Justice Department prosecutions of the Capitol attack, and the Pentagon's diversity and inclusion policies. This combination of international, national, and party-specific issues places McCarthy in a delicate spot. Based on the varied reports we have, it seems McCarthy is indeed in a challenging position being squeezed from all sides. That's right, Connie. The Associated Press, ABC News, and the Seattle Times all highlight the tightrope McCarthy is walking, trying to appease different factions within his party, even as he deals with the very real potential of a government shutdown. His decisions in the coming days could seriously impact his political future. Thank you, Elias, for your in-depth analysis on this challenging scenario Speaker McCarthy is facing. We'll continue to follow this story as it unfolds. We're turning to our second story today, a pressing issue facing many Americans' medical debt. Our reporter Grace takes us through an insightful investigation by Kaiser Health News centered around this troubling trend. Grace, could you elaborate on the current situation? Absolutely, Connie. The urgency of medical debt is a growing concern in the U.S., with the fear of potential homelessness for many echoing louder each day. A keen example is a gentleman named Case Atencio in Denver. He had a heart attack when he was just 19 years old, and what followed was an immense medical debt that decimated his credit score. This resulted in years of him struggling to secure housing, bounce between friends' couches, and staying with relatives. Dreadful situation indeed. And this is not an isolated problem, is it? Sadly not, Connie. The Kaiser Health News article underscores that this burden haunts about one in five people carrying healthcare debt. It's driving families to make drastic changes to their living conditions and putting their homes on the line. The nexus between medical debt and housing instability is profoundly visible in cities like Denver, where elevated housing prices are pushing residents to the brink of homelessness. Beyond the financial strain, what other repercussions can result from medical debt? It's a ripple effect, Connie. The drop in credit scores can make it hard to secure leases or mortgages. It can also force people into financial hardships that strain their capacity to afford health care and housing. These struggles underscore the importance of stable housing for physical and mental well-being. Regrettably, health care providers are often the ones looming the debt shadow over community health. We often hear of policy changes or protections urged to address this problem. Could you comment on that? Certainly. The article advocates for more robust protections for patients bearing medical debt. It highlights the proactive efforts of legislatures in Colorado and Washington, D.C. For instance, Colorado has legislated against including medical debt in credit reports or factoring it into one's credit score. However, these protective measures aren't ubiquitous across our nation yet. Multiple sources have reported about this issue, including NPR. Is the narrative the same? Yes, Connie. NPR report corroborates the disturbing trend of medical bankruptcy leading to homelessness. 
Alongside the article from Kaiser Health News, it paints a picture of a country where healthcare costs, coupled with skyrocketing housing prices, are driving many to the verge of losing their homes. A survey by KFF Health News and a Denver nonprofit reveals that approximately two-thirds clients facing eviction or foreclosure had medical debt, and nearly half attributed it as a major contributing factor. And the victims of this debt have been forced to make tough choices, haven't they? Absolutely, Connie. Individuals are caught in a grueling cycle, cutting back on food, taking on extra work, depleting retirement savings, which eventually impacts their credit scores, worsening their plight to secure housing. Adding to the distress, healthcare providers are known to deny treatment to patients with unsettled bills, worsening the situation. So, steps are being taken to combat this issue, but it's evident that more needs to be done? Yes, Connie. Medical debt is now a critical cause of homelessness in America. The task at hand is enormous securing provisions for health care, housing, and legislation to shield patients with medical debt. But until these safeguards are standard across the board, many in the U.S. are at risk of being driven into homelessness due to their medical debt. Thank you, Grace, for this deeply stirring and insightful report. Moving on to our third story of the day, BMW has announced a significant investment decision related to its mini-brand. A whopping £600 million, or about $750 million, will be invested in the company's UK plants. Ethan, our specialist correspondent in this area, can give us a detailed insight on the implications of this decision. Ethan, what can you tell us about this? Well, Connie, this investment is aimed at transitioning BMW's mini-brand to fully electric vehicles by 2030. Two electric models will be produced, the Mini Cooper 3-door and the compact crossover Mini Aceman. Production will kick off in the Oxford plant from 2026. There are plans to ramp up production such that by 2030, the Oxford plant will manufacture only electric models. This is interesting and indeed a significant step towards the future. But I'm curious to know why the decision to produce these specific models was taken. The Mini Cooper and the Mini Aceman, Connie, are two models with a wide appeal. Transitioning these popular models to electric versions can likely entice Mini's established customer base to embrace electric vehicles. Also noteworthy is that these electric models won't just be for the UK. They'll also be produced in China, with exports scheduled to begin in 2024. It sounds like a strategic move by BMW, but aren't UK automakers facing issues due to Brexit? That's correct, Connie. The UK's car industry has indeed faced uncertainty due to Brexit. However, BMW's proposal is actually seen as a kind of boost for the industry. Reportedly, even the UK government has provided some unspecified support for the investment. All of this is happening while both UK and European automakers are asking for a delay in the implementation of post-Brexit, rules of origin, for electric vehicles. Always appreciate your in-depth explanation, Ethan. Now can you share why BMW's investment is important beyond just the creation of these new electric models? Absolutely, Connie. It's pivotal for a number of reasons. Firstly, it's a significant vote of confidence in the UK as a global leader in electric vehicle production. Secondly, the investment has secured the future of Oxford plant and 4,000 jobs that could have potentially been on the line. There was speculation that BMW might move the production of the electric mini to China, but following engaging discussions with the UK government, the decision was reversed. This is indeed a massive win for the UK auto industry. But how does it align with the bigger picture, especially in terms of UK's environmental goals? 
Connie, the UK government has set a goal to make all new cars zero emission by 2030 and BMW's move aligns with this. Moreover, this isn't an isolated incident. The auto industry in the UK has seen similar commitments, Indian automaker Tata's £4 billion investment in an electric vehicle battery plant, and Stellantis producing electric vans at its Ellesmere port factory following a £100 million investment. That paints a hopeful picture for the UK auto industry. Do you believe this trend of moving towards green automobility is here to stay? Yes, Connie. The significant investments from major players in the industry, the government's green initiative, and the global trend towards reducing carbon emissions, all these factors indicate that electric vehicles are the future of the automotive industry. That's fascinating, Ethan. How has this news been received in the media? Many leading news outlets such as Reuters, The National, Sky News, Bloomberg, and AP Finance have reported on BMW's investment. It is seen as a boost for the UK's automotive industry, creating jobs, and reinforcing the UK's potential as a leader in electric vehicle production. Thanks for that comprehensive report, Ethan. It's clear that BMW's investment in transitioning its mini brand is a significant development for the automobile industry, and one that has implications beyond just the UK. That's right, Connie. And in times of uncertainty, such initiatives are creating new hope and driving progress. Thank you for your expert insights, Ethan. Well, Chloe, we've been promised a historic moment to end today's podcast, and here it is. The news buzzing around the sports world about tennis titan Novak Djokovic winning the U.S. Open, which is, I understand, his 24th Grand Slam title, an achievement that I believe eclipses the record set by some of the greatest players in the history of tennis. Absolutely, Connie. It is a historic moment. NPR reported Djokovic's match against Daniil Medvedev earlier as a thrilling contest. Medvedev, who we know stopped Djokovic's bid for a calendar year Grand Slam in 2021, put up quite a fight. But Djokovic demonstrated his energy and serve and volley skills to win 6-3, 7-6, 5-6-3. Incredible. Now this win seems to exceed its significance in the context of this particular match or even this tournament, doesn't it? It certainly does, Connie. As reported by the New York Times, Djokovic is now the first player to win 24 Grand Slam titles in the Open era. That nudges him past Serena Williams who holds 23 such titles. It also marks his fourth U.S. Open championship further extending his lead on the men's slam list, where he already boasts 20 major titles. So with this victory Djokovic has successfully retained the number one rank in the tennis rankings, ahead of Carlos Alcaraz, correct? Yes, Connie. And what's worth noting here, as reported by CNN, is Djokovic's relationship with the crowd. Despite traditionally being seen as a villain in matches against underdogs or fan favorites, he received extensive support at Arthur Ashe Stadium. Sounds like the crowd definitely recognizes his status as a tennis legend. But I'd like to know a little more about the journey that brought Djokovic to this historic achievement. Well, interestingly, last year Djokovic missed the U.S. Open due to COVID-19 restrictions. But this year, according to Al Jazeera, he came back stronger than ever, achieving amazing feats such as a 27-1 record at the most prestigious events this season and becoming the oldest male champion in the Open era at the age of 36. That's remarkable. Yet there's more to the story, isn't there? Absolutely, Connie. The Associated Press reports that Djokovic has now tied with Margaret Court, who won 24 major singles trophies, 11 in the Open era, and 13 in the Amateur era, taking the most Grand Slam titles in tennis history.
It's also worth noting, ABC7 Chicago highlights his impressive 378 weeks at world number one according to the ATP rankings, which breaks another record previously set by Rod Laver in 1969. And what's the reaction been like to this victory? Well, Connie, many, including tennis great Martina Navratilova, have congratulated Djokovic on his groundbreaking achievement. Sportskita and other outlets have documented significant praise for his exceptional performance, his incredible head-to-head -head record with Medvedev, and his overall contribution to tennis history. A truly historic moment. Thanks for all those details, Chloe. It's been my pleasure, Connie. That's all we have for now. Today's episode was made by Alexander King with GPT-4, GPT-3.5 Turbo, the 11 Labs Text-to-Speech API, and the Google Cloud Text-to-Speech API. I hope you have a great day. I'll see you tomorrow, Alex.